Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another episode of the Vegas Life Podcast. I'm Mark Warner, along with Chris Lisa, who is out on Long Island. We had a good week in DGK Nation at 2-0-1 on the homestand with the other Oilers winning tonight. Chris, good day to you, sir. Uh, good day to you. We got our guest pulling in a few minutes, so why don't we just jump right into the, the Vegas lane. Um, tough, you know, get a, get a loser point which, uh, you know, about 30% of the games go to overtime now. If I get a loser point against San Jose, would have been nice to keep the the winning streak going, uh, have a big game tonight against Edmonton, and then head out on the road next week to play Dallas, who's one of the hottest teams in the league, and then go to Nashville, who's one of the coldest teams in the league. And um, we'll get to Nashville later. We'll try to get to them a little later in the show. So, uh, big stretch of games for them between now and the and the holidays. I believe they're tied for third in Pacific um, with Vancouver, although Vancouver has a game in hand. And Anaheim and San Jose are right behind them with a game in hand, I believe, as well. And the wild card in the West is really up for grabs. Things are very tight. The Knights have, I think, played most uh, has played one more game than most teams out West. But the bottom line is they got to you know, keep on keeping on, get back to their uh, winning ways and not their inconsistent ways. So 2-0-1 in the last three, Edmonton tonight, and then then they go to Dallas. So two tough games right there. Yeah, not, I mean, not too bad. The San Jose game was, was impressive in one respect for the San Jose Sharks is that they played a very disciplined hockey game. They weren't involved in shenanigans and, and – rigmarole that we could, we've come to uh, expect from that team when when the Golden Knights and Sharks face each other. Uh, just three penalties, one to too many men on the ice. There was an interference call um, and a first period tripping call. Other than, other than that, they played a, a real clean game um, and were able to get the extra point in overtime at 320 when Logan Gutcher put his own rebound through Marc-Andre Fleury's pass. But for long stretches of the game, the Golden Knights dominated play. They, you know, they held they held puck in, uh, took the play to the Sharks, out shooting them, out hitting them, and, and pretty much. I, I don't have any problem with with getting the loser point in that game. Um, Aaron Dell played a phenomenal game for the Sharks. They did not start Martin Jones, which is from recent history. That's probably probably a good thing that the, for the if from the Sharks perspective that they they did not play uh the Martin Jones against and and Aaron Dell played a real good game. So on the home stand four games um 2 and 1 so far if they Edmonton looming tonight coming off uh, a loss to the Kings earlier in the week if they can get tonight's game take 7 out of 8 on the home stand that's um that's a good solid homestand considering where they were, uh, you know, a week, week and a half ago with a uh, five-game losing streak. That's that's getting some momentum back at home and, and, as you said, getting ready to head out against Dallas. <clears throat> Nashville's been up and down. Um, 
definitely not having the season. Yeah, down lately, not having the same season that you know they thought they were going to going to have. Dallas, after a, I mean, we were almost ready to write them off. I believe they were one seven and one at one point, and now they've jumped back into uh, the conversation of, of possible contenders. I think they're twelve one and one in their last fourteen, so they're red hot. Yeah, red almost as hot as the Islanders, sir. Not quite, yes. but we'll almost. Talk, we'll have to talk about them later. So yeah, this I think tonight's <laughs> game's a big game for Vegas because um, I you know if they can win tonight, if they can win tonight, keep you know gives them a little little more flexibility going on the road with that. You know if they can get a split between Dallas and Nashville, but you know tonight if they you know if they lose tonight. Uh, and then as they go to Dallas as a tough game. They could be looking at a, you know, three games in a row without without a win. So I kind of feel like tonight's a big game. Obviously, Edmonton has played pretty strong this whole season, and I think in the history yep. between the two teams, uh, for whatever reason, because the last two years really have not been banner years for the Edmonton Oilers. They've been non-playoff years. I think the Oilers have done pretty good against the Knights. Probably one of the few teams that have a good record against the Knights um, is the Edmonton Oilers, uh, if memory serves correct. So I know the first yeah, season uh, of the Knights, there were uh, there were only two teams they didn't beat, I believe, and, and one, of the, uh, ironically, was the Islanders, and who were terrible that year, and the other was the Oilers, who were also beyond disappointing. So it was kind of kind of weird, but... Um, yeah, it's a big it's a big game tonight. I mean, what Drysaitel has been doing this year is insane, um, uh, especially in the in the age of you know uh, so few players getting to 100 points and where he's at. Um, yeah, so this is gonna be this is gonna be this is gonna be a tall order. Well, I shouldn't say they're gonna they're gonna have to uh, bring the A game to, to get two points tonight. No, I agree, uh, and. and... Edmonton is one of the teams that has given the Golden Knights a, a tough, tough matchup in their short history in the league. Um, there's been a few games where Edmonton's just really taken it to the Golden Knights, and um, not too many teams have a eight-one, eight-three win against uh, the Golden Knights. So definitely, uh, definitely a, a tough task before going out on the road. Um, it'll be a good measuring stick as to, you know how far out of that slump this team is. Are they able to bounce back? That's one of the things I, I wanted to see out of this team is the response, uh, not only within games, uh, when they give up a goal, uh, coming right back and answering that, which we've seen this week. But how do you respond after a loss? Can you get back up against a division opponent and and right the ship after a loss? So, the, you know, it, it it's a – it's a long season. The this team is still going through that process of developing their identity, um, and this is a, another another step to take in in becoming that resilient team that we you know know to be the Golden Knights. And interesting to know with the scheduling, like I said, they have Edmonton tonight, and then they have Monday at Dallas, Wednesday at Nashville. Thursday, obviously, is Thanksgiving. Week shut down, and then Friday they're home for Arizona, and then they go back on the road for three games. And actually, they come to my area. They play the Rangers, the Devils, and the Islanders 
three games in four nights. So, you know, not easy, not easy there, uh, scheduling wise. Uh, no. The next uh, couple of weeks. Well, definitely, Chris Moore will get his uh, eye pulled the Vegas Golden Knights after speaking with him a couple of weeks ago. Um, the, it, you know, it's not quite. You know, a couple of years ago, before the Kings completely fell apart, going through California with uh, San Jose, Anaheim, and the Kings was a gauntlet to run. And going through the New York metropolitan area isn't quite that at this point in time. No. The Rangers and Devils are struggling a little bit. But I'll be looking forward to that first Islanders game of the year between the two clubs. Um, see, yeah, and the Rangers see if, are you know, they're by, a strange bunch. They, they, uh, yeah, I know. Uh, it's going to be calling in any minute, but it's a strange bunch. They, um, uh, they lose last night in Ottawa, who's playing a lot better, and they're at 500, 4 1. And then the night, and the game before, they beat the Capitals. So, I mean, they're kind of all over the map. They've yeah. had some really nice wins, and, uh, yeah, so they're, they're a strange, they're hard to, they're hard to figure. Yeah, I, I, uh, my Wednesday night special, so to speak, uh, dropped down to a I believe three and one uh taking the Rangers at home uh and losing to uh the Ottawa team so I, I don't know what Rangers it'll be an interesting game certainly when they get into New York trying to check on our guest at this time I'm having laptop issues uh, connectivity and a little bit of, I don't know, I'm just having a couple of issues here as doing producer role at the same time we're having this conversation, Chris. But um, I know Dan will be in. He's always on time as soon as I can get into this thing. Um, so far with the Tampa Bay Lightning, we're certainly not uh, seeing the Tampa Bay Lightning team we all thought we were going to see heading into the season. What uh, do you make? of the Tampa Bay Lightning team as we get out of the Golden Knights talk and into our featured guest of the week. Yeah, our guest says he's on the line, so I don't know if you can uh, yeah. uh, check that out. I see him now. You see him? Okay. Hey, Dan. Hey, guys. How are you? Oh, good. I'm having some, uh, I don't know if it's internet issues or if my laptop needs to go in the rubbish heap or what, but uh, a little freezing up here. It's good to talk to you, sir. Well, thanks for having me back. It's good to talk to you guys. Absolutely. absolutely. Well, I was just asking Chris, but now that you're here, uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and throw this at you. Tampa Bay, uh, we, when we talked earlier in the season during the, the division preview show, I, I, I wondered if we were going to see any kind of a hangover from the record-setting season of last year and then the unceremonial departure from the playoffs in the first <laughs> round. Um, and certainly I didn't think they would be looking up at the Ottawa Senators and the stand, standings 20 games into the season. Now, you know, full disclosure, Tampa does have, I believe, four games in hand over Ottawa, but nonetheless, it's, a, it's like right now with the Vegas Golden Knights looking up at Arizona in the standings. This isn't where we thought either team would be. So what? Uh, can you put your finger on one thing that's been, been kind of holding the Tampa Bay Lightning back so far this season, or is there – well, issues that they're trying to address. Yeah, if it was one thing, it'd probably be easy for them to turn the season, you know, the slow start around. I think it's 
there's a, 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 a few issues that, that they need to work on. We've seen some improvement on some, certain things, like the power play started off very slow, but now it's second in the league. So gradually, I think they're, they're attacking the different issues that uh, led to such an uh, uncharacteristically slow start for the Lightning. Yeah, for sure. The power play has caught fire. Um, when, when we look at their previous week, of their nine was it nine three winners in New York, and then go on the road and head to St. Louis and and drop that one. So is, is that what we're, we've been seeing out of them? Is is a really strong effort followed up by maybe a lethargic effort, if you will. Well, if, if uh, for those who may not know, before they the the Lightning uh, took a trip to Sweden to play a back to back against the Buffalo Sabers, they they played three games in the New York City area. They played the Rangers, the the Isles, and the well, the Rangers, the Devils, and and then the Isles, and they were embarrassed in Man- in Madison Square Garden by the Rangers. I think, if I recall correctly, the game was five two Rangers. So that nine three okay. game was the first game coming back from Sweden. I think that there was a certain level of of revenge factor uh, because they they had been embarrassed sure. by the Rangers. So I think that's what led to the nine three. Now after that game, that was arguably the best performance that we had seen. Although they 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 played very well, we we saw that they began to turn the corner in Sweden. So when when they beat the Rangers, then <clears throat> headed to a, a very short two game road trip to St. Louis, and then and then. Um, Chicago, where they they ended up splitting the two. Uh, right. They they, you know, that's I think you hit the nail on the head, Mark. It's it's been that kind of season where one step up, one back, or maybe two steps up and one back, or in some cases, one step up and two back. And I think I, I, I'm not so sure if it was a hangover from the 62 wins as much as their effort to try and change the style of play because of that playoff sweep. They realized that the style of play that led to the 62 wins did not get them very far in the postseason. So I think it's a concerted effort by, by the lightning organization to, to begin changing that high powered offense list for lack of a better term, the run-and-gun type of offense into a right. more physical. Uh, you know, they were winning games last last year, five to four, six to three, six to four. So they were they their high-powered offense kind of masked some of the let's say def- defensive deficiencies that they might have had. Well, now their high-powered offense again. I think it's a concerted effort by the organization to to um, change the specific style of play. So, so uh, as a result of that, the games are three to two, two to one. You know, uh, 
if we think back to that it's a tough transition to make. It is a tough and and we see we see the the uh the result of that with as I was saying, you know, the one step up and one step back or two steps up and two steps back. I think this team all 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 of the players are trying to learn, let's say on the fly to uh to change this style of play. Now, I do believe that when they get to a if we look at their last game in Chicago, that was the type of game that earlier in the season might have resulted in a loss. They were up one to nothing heading into the third period almost uh, I, I want to say six, seven minutes into the third period, Chicago ties the game. You could kind of see almost. Now, in, in that game, Nikita Kucherov, the reigning MVP of the league, he was out of the game uh, with a upper body injury. So he, he didn't start. John Cooper decided, and the coaching staff decided to go with 11 forwards, seven defensemen. Well, after the first period, actually after about four or five shifts, Steven Stamkos didn't appear in the game any longer. Uh, reports are that he's got a, he's dealing with an ankle injury. In fact, he's out for tonight's game against Anaheim. So here they are. In fact, they started uh, th- uh, Thursday against the Blackhawks. They started their backup goalie, Curtis McElhaney. So here are the Lightning without Kucherov, the reigning MVP, without their captain, for two periods, Steven Stamkos, and without the, their number one goaltender. Again, it was a recipe for, if you look at it, after Chicago scored early in the third to tie it, I I myself thought, uh-oh, here we go. This is, this is going to result in a loss. But they fought back. To their credit, the fourth line with Patrick Maroon, Cedric Paquette, and Yanni Gord, they have really been carrying this team uh, the last few games, and they they came through big time uh, Thursday against the Blackhawks, and they ended up winning the game four to two. Well, that's kind of a similar feeling to the Golden Knights after the streak they went through with giving up third period leads and going on to lose games. That's uh, that feeling is real familiar over here. Before I hand you off to Chris, uh, we're talking with Dan Harrison on the Vegas Hockey Podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Dan Harrison. He's a writer for the Lightning Insider. Um, let me just give a little mini rant about taking teams outside of North America during the season. If you want to go over to China or Sweden or wherever you want to go in the preseason, that's fine. You get the guys back in time to reacclimate to North America. Taking teams out of North America for games that count in the standings, in my mind, is ridiculous. Um, it's, if anyone who's ever traveled overseas, it takes you a week to get back acclimated to the time change from the jet lag to the different foods that you eat, your digestive system. Uh, I don't want to get into graphic detail, but it takes at least a week to get back to, to who you are physically and mentally on those trips. And to do that in a regular season to me is ridiculous. The only reason to do it is money and to impact a team or a group of teams to put them in that situation is to me ridiculous, Dan. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know any other way to say it. I, I think that's nonsense that the NHL does that. Well, and, and to your point, 
you know, you mentioned it that that right now in the standings, the Lightning are looking up at the Ottawa Senators. Though you did mention um, that that the Lightning have three or four games in hand with almost everybody above them in the Atlantic. I, I'll tell you, I agree with with the fact that it does take uh, probably close to a week to reacclimate yourself with you know, with the time zone that you're currently in, once you, once you go six, seven, eight hours uh, ahead to, to Europe, I think if you're, if the, I, I, I understand why Batman, Gary Batman and the NHL wants to do this because they're promoting their brand, the NHL brand. I understand that. I think they have the right idea. If, if teams were to start a season, the first couple games, you pick two teams every every year to go over there to promote the brand. You allow them to play a couple games and then come back, and not not after playing a month and then heading out there for for all yeah. intents and purposes a week, playing a couple games back to back and then coming back and then trying to reacclimate yourself to North America and then North American time zones. You know, after you already played fifteen, twenty games, I think that's a little bit too much for for to to expect from from the players. Uh, like you said, I don't care who you are, you are going to feel the effects of that time zone change, uh, and it's it's not going to be oh well, you know what? In in a day, I'll I'll get back to my old self. That doesn't happen. Hey Dan, Chris here. So again, everyone, find that uh, you can find Dan. Writer for the Lightning Insider, weekly guest, weekly guest on the Lightning's Radio Network Power Play Show, and at Twitter at Dan Harrigan, H uh, E R R E J O N. So Dan, uh, you know, we saw a big coach get fired this week uh, with Mike Babcock. Not that John Cooper is on uh, in danger of getting fired, but is this a make-or-break year for John Cooper from this standpoint? If he has, if the team has another disappointing finish. Um, could his job be in jeopardy at the end of the year? Well, you know, if uh, Mark referenced earlier the preview show when you guys had me on, and and we were talking about this because of the disappointment of the playoff sweep, and I did say at the time, I, I said, well, first, if he fails to make the playoffs with the talent that's on this team, I think he'll be gone. I haven't changed from that stance. Now, one thing that has happened because of the slow start that they had before they went to Sweden, there have been, I would say, a good 20 to 25% of the Lightning fans here in the Tampa Bay area that are have been calling for his head. And the day that the Leafs uh, fired Babcock, it was – you know, local Twitter and social media here in Tampa was going nuts with let's hire Babcock and get rid of Cooper. I, I'm not so sure. You know, my own personal opinion is that I don't think – I think Cooper is a better fit for this team right now than Mike Babcock would be. Okay, set that aside for a second to get back to, to whether or not it's a make or break here. I do believe it is. I think, as I said, I think that that if if the Lightning were to fail to make the playoffs, I think that that will cost John Cooper his job. I think even if they were to get into the playoffs, if they were to have another 
embarrassing first-round appearance, I think that would cost him his job. Now, beyond that, I think it would depend on how how they play in the postseason that would determine. I mean, there's still an awful lot of Lightning fans here who are cup or bust, and and I don't believe that that's going to happen. And I try to tell fans here who are clearly in the anti-Cooper bandwagon, I try to tell them you have to understand that the reason that John Cooper is coaching the Tampa Bay Lightning is because the now general manager, he was then assistant general manager to Steve Eiserman, but Julian Brisebois, who is now the, the current Lightning general manager, he's the one that brought John Cooper into this organization. It, he, he hired him to become the uh, AHL coach for the Lightning affiliate. At the time, it was in Norfolk, but now it's in Syracuse. But Breezeball was the one who brought John Cooper into this organization. And when Steve Eiserman was prepared to get rid of his first uh, Lightning coach that he hired, Guy Boucher, Eiserman turned to Breezeball, and Breezeball immediately pushed and campaigned for John Cooper to become the head coach, which Eiserman agreed to. So I think people sometimes forget that Julian Breezeball and John Cooper, John Cooper is Julian Breezeball's guy. There's no question about that. He brought him here for a specific reason. And for those who may not know John Cooper's background, from high school through the USHL, NAHL, the American Hockey League, he has won a championship at every level he's coached. So for people to think that, oh, well, we got to get rid of this guy because he hasn't won a cup yet with the talent that's been on this team. Well, the three of us know that, that winning the Stanley Cup is by far the hardest trophy in all of team sports to win. Not making no any excuses. No, I, and I'm not making any excuses for John Cooper, as I said. I think that, that if this season does not live up to whatever expectations Julian Breezebois has, I don't think he'll have any issue with getting rid of Cooper. But that said, I don't think we're going to see a a mid-season change at the helm here in Tampa. You know, and running, looking at some of the Tampa numbers this week, Dan, with uh, you coming on, I was startled to see that the Lightning are in the bottom five, uh, bottom six, in goals allowed per game. And I'm like, well, how does that happen? They have one of the best goalies in the league. In fact, I believe he's the current uh, Vesna winning goalie, won the Vesna last year. They have a deep yep. roster. They have good players all over the place. How is that How is that possible that they're in the bottom five or six in terms of goals allowed? Well, I'll, I'll give you a couple reasons. First of all, take a look at the, the, the number of shots that they're giving up. They're among among the highest. Last I looked, they were third worst in shots allowed per game. Now, when you break it down further, peel the, the layers of the onion back a little bit, you can see that that their defensive core, you know, when you look at their top six defensemen, half of them are what most people would consider offensive defensemen. 
Those are guys, Victor Hedman, Kevin Shattenkirk, Mikhail Sergachev, who when the team has the puck in the offensive zone, they're going to they're gonna jump in on a play. And they're going to see if they can, you know, get get this offense going a little bit. But the but the the other side, the flip side to that is that that may create odd man rushes or breakaways, if you know worst case scenario. But that doesn't. We don't have other than Ryan McDonough. We don't have a traditional stay at home defenseman. Now. One of the things I, I mentioned earlier when I first came on that that one of the things that Julian Breeswa and John Cooper decided over the summer was that their that the way this team was built by Eiserman and Breeswa was high offense, high hockey IQ, speed to burn. When you look at guys like Braden Point and Yanni Gord and Tyler Johnson. Even a guy like Steven Stamkos, who's been in the league for 10 years, he can, he can burn past a lot of defenders in this league. So they were, as I said, the last couple, two, three, four seasons, they've been one among the leaders in offense. But they, again, a high-powered offense that's scoring a lot of goals could mask some deficiencies that, that they possess in, 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 on the defensive side. Those deficiencies were exposed in that playoff sweep. I think Breesbaugh and Cooper made a concerted effort to change. That's why that's why they brought in Breesbaugh brought in a guy like Pat Maroon. He brought in uh Luke Shen. Those are two players that I don't believe Steve Eiserman would ever bring into into the organization. Those aren't the kind of players that Steve Eiserman likes. He likes fast, high offense, offensive skills, and high hockey IQ. And I'm not saying that those guys don't have High IQ when it comes to hockey, but they're not. They're they're more of the slower plotting uh, the, uh, players that aren't necessarily what I would consider Eisenman players. But Breezebois saw, hey, we have to play like it's the playoffs, uh, you know, because we know that the playoffs are are it's a different animal than the regular season, you know. So Mazel Tov that you won sixty two games, but the fact is that kind of play that won you sixty two games. It's not going to get you far in the playoffs, and that became abundantly clear in the last spring against the Blue Jackets. You know, Dan, we were talking uh, over the summer. I think it was right after quietly the Lightning signed Kevin Shattenkirk, who signed a, a really nice contract with the New York Rangers up here, and being a local New York guy, kind of the team he grew up uh uh rooting for, and it just didn't really work in terms of injuries and performance. I remember telling you at the time, if I was able to put down a $2 wager of comeback player of the year for next season, I would throw it on Shattenkirk. Uh, I mean, he's put up some pretty good numbers down there. How how good has, he, has Shattenkirk been for, for the Lightning? I'll tell you, he's been so good, he's playing on the, on the PK. That's how good he's been. Here's an offensive defenseman, a clear offensive defenseman, and he's doing he's more than holding his own on on the penalty kill unit. Now, I first of all I would ask you why only two dollars? Because I think the stage was set for Kevin Shattenkirk to come out gangbusters. We all know that anytime a player, especially as young 
relatively young as Kevin Chattenkirk is. I think he's 30, uh, 30 years old. Anytime a player gets their contract bought out, that's a message that that franchise is sending not only to the player but to the league that says, hey, you know what? We'd rather pay you not to play for our team. Imagine, I, I wrote a piece on Lightning Insider about Chet Kirk and how this is a critical year for him because he signed a one-year team-friendly deal far below what he's been getting, let's say, the last his last two contracts. But he did it, and again, the humiliation of being bought out, that doesn't put a chip on the guy's shoulder. That puts a boulder on the guy's shoulder. I think Kevin Shattenkirk is determined to show not only the Rangers, but the entire NHL. Listen, those two years when I was nursing injuries and, and, and you know, in the spotlight of, of, of New York and Madison Square Garden and all that, coming home, as you said, he's, he was born in New Rochelle. So he was, he was coming home to his hometown team. All of that did not work out obviously for, for Shattenkirk there. But I think he's determined to show the, the, the hockey world, that wasn't me, this is me. Because if, we, if you remember, just two short years ago, when it was his free agency year, he was one of the most coveted defensemen, free agents, that, that, that free agent season. Uh, to fall so far after a couple of years in New York, you know, I'm sure that he has, like I said, he's got that boulder on his shoulder. He's got a lot to prove, and he is absolutely. Uh, he was the, the player of the month for the for the franchise in October, and so far he hasn't slowed down at all. So before I let you hand you off to Mark, I'll let you Mark finish up with you, Dan. Uh, one last one for me: How do you see the Atlantic playing out? Um, who do you believe in? Who's in trouble? I mean, clearly. The Bruins are a top team, so that's we're not breaking any new grant. We're not breaking uh, news on that one. But uh, in terms of the rest of the division, some teams playing well, some teams really struggling. Who 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 does Dan believe in, and who does Dan think uh, is in trouble? Well, if you recall in the preview uh, show before the season started, I said the top three would be in no particular order would be Boston, Toronto, and Tampa. I believe that the top three, when when the dust settles on this season, on the regular season, I think the top three are going to be Boston, Tampa, and Florida. Now, in the preview show, I had Florida as 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 a wild card because you know you they have when you when you get a a world class goalie like Bobrowski, I mean that almost immediately helps your your goals against the Panthers were I believe worst in the league last season uh, last season in goals against uh so having Bobrowski now on top of that they hire three-time cup champion as a coach in Joel Quenville and we know Quenville's not this this young guy who maybe had a couple good seasons uh in the American League coming up and, and, you know, testing the waters as a coach of the NHL. This guy's he's a grizzled veteran, yeah. if you will, and from the coaching staff, in the coaching ranks. You know Quenville is not going to take any gruff 
from any player or any opposing team, he is going to he's he's a taskmaster, and it's showing the way they're playing. How many comebacks have the Panthers had? I think the Panthers are going to be the surprise team uh, in the in the, in the Atlantic. It would not surprise me if they were to challenge Boston for the division lead. That's how well I think they are playing right now if the question's going to be there's they still have some deficiencies on defense they're masking so, them with 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 some scoring and with some uh great goaltending from Bobrowski if if they you know if they can maintain this you know we know and we saw it last season with St. Louis once once Bennington helped them win a few games the confidence level throughout the bench and throughout the locker room, it just rises. I think that's what we're seeing with Florida is that win after win, you know, with those comebacks that they've had. I mean, they've had two comebacks where they're losing by four goals in the third period, and they won the game. That kind of of win just inspires that team to, to think, hey, we can beat anybody. Well, they're, they're beating, they're beating a lot of teams that, that I think at, if we would have looked at the schedule in detail before the season, we would have said, nah, they're not going to win that game. They're not going to win that game. But they're surprising a lot of people. Beyond that, you know, I feel bad for Buffalo, but if you recall in the, in the, um, in the uh, uh, previous show, I said the, the, the question I had about Buffalo is they're on their third coach in four years. It got off to a blazing start. Kind of reminiscent of that ten-game winning streak that they had last year, early yeah. in the season. But but then all of a sudden they just spiraled downward fast, and I think that we're seeing that uh, from Buffalo. Now Montreal is surprising me. I think Montreal certainly has a chance to become a wild card team, but you know, there's some, there's some awfully good teams in the Metro metropolitan division that are going to have a say in, in, in the wild card, uh, in the wild card race. So I think Montreal has surprised some with, with, you know, my question for, for the Canadians at the beginning of the season was who was going to score. Well, you know, yeah, what? now they're out drilling for two months. Well, and, yeah. and certainly we have to see how that that's going to to play out because he got off to a very good start, you know, kind of what what Canadian fans were looking for him from the time that uh, he was traded to them. And real quick, <laughs> uh, where's your real quick for uh, Mark jumps in and finishes up for you. Uh, Leafs on your meter of scale one to ten of. Uh, Ten being uh, danger, danger, danger. Where where is the Leafs on your scale? Well, here's the thing. We know that the Leafs have, on paper, they're a very talented team. I think they also have, and I I, I guess I sound like a have deficiencies in defense. Now, Sheldon Keith has a very impressive record as a coach. Not only, I mean, he's a Calder. He won the Calder Cup a couple of seasons ago. So, and, you know, the interesting thing about, about we, you know, we touched on Mike Babcock getting fired. And as I said, there's an anti-Cooper sentiment here in Tampa, and a lot of people want worth talking about Babcock coming here. I don't think that 
frankly, I think that the Mike Babcock uh, type of coaching, that's old school. I think you get a guy like Sheldon Keefe, if he can get this talented roster to buy in to what he wants to do, the way he sees, the style of play he wants, again, none of, none of us would question the level of talent that, that, that the Toronto possesses. If Sheldon Keefe can get those players to buy into whatever he's selling them, I think that they have a chance to improve upon the, the, the very, very slow start that they've had. That can, make a, that, that can have playoff implications for them. But in, in looking at midseason coaching changes, the NHL has been around for, what, 80 years? Only seven times has a midseason coach coaching change led to a Stanley Cup championship. So the odds are against him for for that kind of success. But I think based on his coaching, his short, relatively short coaching history, I think Sheldon Keith, again, big question is going to be whether or not he can get the players to buy into his system. But if they do, and we're starting to see a little bit of that in Chicago with uh, Jeremy uh, Colleton. Last last season, I mean, it was such a probably such a shock that longtime coach Quen, Joe Quenville got got the boot in 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 midseason, and it it probably was a shock to a lot of the veteran players like Taves and Kane and and Seabrook and Keith and and but you see them, you know, when when the Lightning met them on Thursday, Chicago had was coming off five wins in their previous seven games. I think the the players there are buying into, and Colleton had a lot of success overseas in Sweden. He was coaching for a couple of years, but also with with the Blackhawks uh, American League affiliate. So I, I think maybe if Keith, Sheldon Keith in Toronto can, the quicker he can get his player, the players on the Leafs roster to buy into what he's doing, I think we're going to uh, – uh, we're going to see uh, perhaps a little bit of improvement upon what, what we had under the short Mike Batcock uh, tenure this season. Uh, continuing on in the Atlantic, I think Ottawa, I'll tell you, I've been watching a few of the Senators' games. This team is impressing me in the fact that they have a pretty good mix of some veteran players when you look at, at, at guys like Tyler Ennis. Uh, uh, and guys who, who you know, have been, uh, let's say, well-traveled when you look at uh, Anthony Duclair, but they also have some good young players, and it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see where Ottawa ends up. I had them firmly at the bottom of the division in the preview show. Uh, I, I think that was it's going to turn out to be a mistake of mine. And Detroit, I, let's just say Steve Eiserman has a much bigger rebuild than I think even he thought. Yeah. Well, one thing about Ottawa is they compete. That team, um, I don't know, I don't know how they've they've been able to band together after, let's face it, the dismantling of a team that was in the Eastern Conference Final just a couple short years ago, but. Mm-hmm. This roster will compete every single night, every shift, every, every period. That's the you know the it, the 
lack of deficiencies on defense you've mentioned with Tampa and Toronto, a lot of deficiencies can be covered up with effort. And that's not smoke and mirrors covering it up. It's overcoming those deficiencies with a high compete level. And that's one thing this Ottawa team does is compete on a nightly basis. You know, that's a good point, Mark, because we know that the parity in the league, there's not much difference between, I don't care what division you're looking at, the team that's on the bottom and the te- versus the team that's on the top, the level, the amount of parity between the two is paper, paper thin. So like you yep. said, if, if, if they go out and compete, and I've been impressed with, with the few games, the handful of games I've seen of the Senators at their compete level, they don't give up. And that's going to win them some games that maybe perhaps people would, people would think that they have no business winning and that will keep, you know, again, a few games like that and the team confidence starts building. And before you know it, you know, they got, they got a theme song and look at, look at what happened with St. Louis last year, you know, or, or, or even Carolina, you know, they rallied around the, they're a bunch of idiots comment by Don Cherry and, bunch of jerks. and that rally, that rally led them to the Eastern Conference Finals last year. No question about it. The uh, It's funny you mentioned that the midseason coaching change only happened eight times in the previous history of the NHL, with one of them being last season, uh, bringing in Craig Berube, and then Jordan Bennington getting on fire, and off they go, and Gloria, and now they're riding right. down Main Street with the Stanley Cup, right? So uh, that's going to give um, any hope to Maple Leaf Nation that it's only happened you know, so many times in the last 80 years. It has happened as recently as last season. Well, Dan, uh, final thoughts on Tampa Bay for this year. Let's, you know, Vasilevsky gets back on Stamkos and Kucherov get healthy. Uh, because of the trip to Sweden, when you look ahead in their schedule, farther down the road, there's going to be um, a couple extra back-to-backs. There's going to be some of those four-game and five-night deals. Um, right. That's something that's going to have to be overcome. Um the the sports books here still have Tampa as the number two favorite to win the Stanley Cup. Only you know they're a plus four hundred or a plus five hundred, I think. And Boston being the only team in front of them at plus four fifty, so a narrow margin. The books still have Tampa the favorite. What say you when we get to the playoffs? Is Tampa going to be able to play that that style that they're? struggling with right now is this team going to have it when playoff times come around and compete for the Stanley Cup I'll tell you I do believe you know the old one of the old hockey adages is is that the teams that are in the playoff spots by American Thanksgiving those generally are the teams that are going to be in the playoff you know in the playoffs once a season 78 percent of the time Right, and and I think for this season's Tampa Bay Lightning, for for a couple reasons, the fact that they did go to Sweden and they're and as a result, like you said, they're they're three four games behind the rest of the division because of that reason and because they're in the process of of changing their their style of play. I think it's going to be more like mid December for them if 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 they continue. Holding firm with this 
change in style of play, and they begin to have some success, winning two out of three, winning three out of four, and or what have you. If they're willing, if they're able to do that and stick to this new style of play, then I think teams need to be come playoff times. I think at playoff time, I think that that the the Eastern Conference teams need to be on the lookout. If they continue to struggle with this new style of play or they revert back to the the high-powered offense that led to 62 wins last season, if I see if I were to see that, I'm going to say even if they went even if they were to make the playoffs but they revert back to that old style, we probably won't see them beyond the first round. So I think it's going to be critical that they that they stick with with what the the the, the change in the style of play, and they have to find a way every single game like they did in Chicago. You know they could have they could have hung their heads after Chicago tied the game in the third period. They didn't, and again they didn't have Kucherov, they didn't have Stamkos, and, and Vasilevsky wasn't in the net. So everybody else. You know, they sucked it up, and they put, like you were talking about uh, uh, Ottawa, the, the compete level, Those these guys, they had to be dragging by the end of the, the game because for all intents and purposes, uh, well, they did go with just 10 forwards that game. And to go with 10 forwards for two the last two periods of a game like that on the road, I, you know, my hat, I take my hat off to, to, to the fact that they hung in there and they beat a very hot Chicago team at the time. If they can continue doing that, they will be in the hunt, and I think we're looking at a potentially deep playoff run. Well, all right, Dave. Thank you so much for your time this Saturday. We appreciate having you on, and we'll talk to you down the road, sir. Well, thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Dan. We'll talk soon. All right. All right, Dan Harrigan, uh, writer for Lightning Insider and and a weekly appearance on Lightning Radio. Um, kind of like the, the Tampa Bay Lightning season, Dan seems to be a little bit up and down on the Tampa Bay Lightning, sir. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it, the, the concern I have, and, and it, it sounds like you know, I've gotten a little bit better lately, but, for, for, you know, in terms of the goals allowed with having, you know, one, arguably – the best goalie in the league and, and the depth of that roster, but it's a bit of a transition to what they're doing, and um, they have played a few less games than everyone else, and it's not the biggest of sample size, so I I expect that to be to get much improved upon, and and yeah, I, I'm I would be shocked if they did not finish in the top three um, in the division. I think Boston's clearly the favorite to win it, but I, I'd be shocked if they didn't finish in the top three. I'm going to pick up a little bit of background noise here as I travel through. Hold on a second, guys. I'll be right with you. Something's big. There we go. Sorry about that. I was transitioning between devices and uh, whoopsie. Anyway, um, Chris, the hottest team in the National Hockey League are your beloved Islanders. As we go around the league, I'd like to start there. And I want to give you the floor here as you wax poetic on the New York Hockey Islanders. Well, the funny thing is they can play a lot better, uh, especially the last couple of weeks. They have an old Rembrandt. It's not like, yeah, it's not like they're playing 
know, a couple of those games, they were fortunate. I mean, look, what they willed themselves, and they they're they're relentless. They never give up. But it's not like these last couple of games. Even the last game against Pittsburgh, they they try to they try to make as to quote Barry Trotz a fancy play. But less than a minute ago, they give up the puck, and Pittsburgh has the goalie pulled and wind up in their net with 30 seconds to go. But then the good side of that is just how resilient they are, how determined they are, the belief that's in this team. And then they, and then Brock Nelson has that pretty goal in overtime. So, you know, it's a deep it's a deep roster. They're playing. They have two really good goalies. They don't have Carey Price, but they have two really good goalies in Varlamov and Grice. So every game the Islanders play, they're they have a fresh, strong goalie. I think that's important to note. Mm. And obviously, the, their play away from the puck, their structure. This is the second year under Trotz. Almost all these players. Um, that's 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 huge, and they're on the top of the league in terms of goals allowed. And Anthony Beauvillier, the former first-round pick from a couple of years ago, same draft as Matt Barzell, has taken a big step forward this year, much more consistent. He's got eight goals, 16 points in, in 20 games. And then Derek Broussard, probably one of the biggest under-the-radar free agent signings, signing a one-year deal. He's got six goals and 16 points, just to add to that depth as well. And, you know, the Islanders are scoring more goals this year. And something to consider about that is one of their top offensive players, Jordan Eberle, who, by the way, has missed half the season. He missed half the season with an early injury. He's back now, has yet to score his first goal of the year. So that just goes to show you that their secret sauce of this team is the depth. Well, a lot of questions uh, in the offseason had a lot of pundits, if you will, uh, was saying that last year, regardless of the Trotz-Lamarillo era beginning with a, a, a nice uh, season and a nice playoff run, um, there would be more of a regression to norm was the phrase I heard a lot when talking about the Islanders. Um, talk a little bit about the continued buy-in to the system. That the, the I mean, like, like you were saying last year, from the season before to last season, Basically the same roster. They, you know, you, you mentioned Derek Broussard for this season, but one of the keys that I see, and I've talked with you about this off the air a few times, is that last year it, Matthew Barzell was one of the players that seemed like um, it, it wasn't that he wasn't buying into the system, is that he was having trouble trying to fit his game into the system. And this year Barzell's stepping up as a, a real leader of this franchise. Yeah, absolutely, and they and that was the thing that both Lou and Trotz felt was it takes uh, a, the skilled players a little bit longer to connect into the system. In fact, I mentioned before about Jordan Eppley, like the, his first half last year was really not good, and then the second half was very good. And so when the Islanders resigned him to a five-year deal, that's what they they the thought process was that even though he had a down year with whatever it was, 19 goals and 40 points or whatever it was they felt like there will be upside there. And same thing with Barzell in terms of the skill players. I think a lot of people from the outside last year looked at it and say, well, you know, the analytics, you know, aren't, aren't adding up here. And they kind of felt that uh, there was a little bit of a luck factor in terms of the, uh, the aisles and, you know, the goalies played over their heads and all those kind of little puck, little puck luck, little goalies playing over their head, the, 
you know, maybe right, he's right. taking them for granted, granted, all those things. And, and you know, what they forgot is, again, second year for most of these players in Trox's system. So they're, they, they're you know, the more the players, the better, the better they're going to, to get to get at it. And also in terms of the analytics, you know, the Islanders might spend, I think they're in in their own zone a lot more than most teams but they're keeping everybody to the outside. So they're like, look, if you want to be in our zone in the non-danger areas and if you want to, you know, shoot, uh, you know, where we know our goalie's going to stop it, and by the way, we're going to clear all those rebounds, you know, at the end of the day, they're they're one of the best teams in terms of limiting uh, high-scoring chances, and that's what's really uh, what it's all about. So I think they sometimes you have to be – you have to understand the analytics and you have to see the games to – uh, see what's going on and how it all computes. And, yeah, so, you know, again, they have a tough trip starting tonight. Uh, maybe they can do the Vegas Golden Knights a favor. They're in San Jose. So uh, San Jose yeah. tonight, Anaheim on Monday, and then L.A. on Wednesday. So they have a 16-game streak, which is a franchise record. Although, to be fair, the fifth, the 82 Isles won 15 games in a row. So the this this streak is uh, uh, 15 0 and 1. So I mean, actually saying it's a 16 game point streak doesn't really do it justice when you won 15 of the 16. But uh, that's what they have going yeah. on right now. All right. Well, let's get into the call then. And before we move on, I want to give a shout out to Twitter user Jonathan Haas, who sent us a nice message on on Twitter this morning. Uh, longtime listener, he was commenting on one of the shows, and. He uh, he also he's here in Vegas, and he also mentioned that he grew up on Islanders hockey, sir. So uh, this segment goes out to you, Jonathan. Thanks for listening. Uh, we always appreciate getting good feedback like that from our from our listeners. So thank you, sir, for doing it. Uh, we appreciate having you. And now we're going to talk about some of the cold teams in the National Hockey League, sir. Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess to wrap up the show, we we got the. We got the um, Flames and and the Preds and Preds a little bit weird. I mean, they're nine nine and three going into tonight, so that's not an awful record. But they're o five and one in their last six. Some of those games have been brutal, but that means they were nine four and two. So it's like, what has happened the last two plus weeks? You think of the Predators, you think of strong defense, strong blue line, uh, good goaltending, you know, and you know, getting enough offense. They're actually sixth in the league in goals scored per game. But, again, like Tampa, they're in the bottom five of goals allowed. And that's usually a very hard place to play. And they're 6-5-2 and two at home. So, really strange numbers for Nashville. Calgary, I would really be worried about. They're 0-5-1 in the last I six. The last in the league in offense. Um, 19th in goals allowed. The power play is, you know, near the bottom of the league. Now they have been deep, they have been good at home, six three and two. They've been awful on the road, four nine and one. But they are trending downwards, and uh, you know, basically they seem to get all their scoring from a couple of players. Uh, I would really be concerned about Calgary right now. I think they're in a very uh, precocious situation. Well, with Calgary last year, they had a lot of balance scoring. They had. Uh a number of players with more than 20 goals. And it it seemed like they 
everything went right for Calgary last year. Let's put it that way. Um, they make the change at goalie to go with young Riddick, and I, re- I really like him. But I'm not sure if there's enough buy-in to the 200-foot hockey and the physical play that I think catalyzes this fl- Flames team. I mean, we saw Kachuk in a fight with Darcy Kemper in the last week or, or two. So, I mean, that that kind of play is only, is only going to go so far. But when they're, when they're just playing – and I said this about the Vegas Golden Knights last weekend – it seems the same is true with Calgary. When they're when they're bought in and they're they're defending physically, they're a tough team to play again and we just haven't seen that out of Calgary this year. I think they're falling in love with the the run and gun style that Tampa's trying to move away from and that's I mean that's what made Calgary dangerous last year was the full buy in to the to the defensive side of the game and I just don't know if we're seeing enough of that in front of Riddick, who, let's face it, is still a young goalie, and he needs to see shots and, and start getting his confidence. And I don't know if there needs to be a personnel change or what, but I, I, I'm i with you on Calgary. I don't know if that roster is going to return to that style and buy in again. So if I'm if I'm Calgary Flame guy, I'm, I'm – I'm starting. You asked me my panic level on the nights last week. My panic level on if I'm Calgary fan is a lot higher than the six I put on on Vegas last week, sir. Yeah, and, and with the way Arizona and Edmonton and Vancouver are playing, I mean, um, yeah, I, I would I would Eesh. say uh, these next yeah you know, between now and the Christmas and Christmas is going to be a critical critical time. They have to right the ship in a big way, so. We'll see. Well, like I said, and they have a couple of pending unrestricted free agents on the blue line, so uh, they could wind up being sellers. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, sir, that's just about going to wrap it up for this week. You got anything for me, sir? No, no. So we have our uh, midweek show coming up on this Wednesday, day before Thanksgiving. We'll come. Uh, we'll talk Vegas Golden Knights. We'll come up with a theme. Last week it was on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, we were almost suitsayers, but planning that ahead and what happened in the past. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, and then that we'll have a special good. show next. Yeah, next Saturday, and we're just going to talk about uh, this the incoming Seattle team. Uh, that show will just be on the Seattle and the upcoming expansion draft. So, some good stuff ahead. All right, and and uh, from the world of pop culture, real quick, just to get a little off topic, uh, if, if have you uh, done the Disney Plus thing, sir? The Disney what? The Disney Plus, the new streaming series with all the Marvel and Star I Wars stuff. Oh, I haven't. If you're a Star Wars guy, and and yeah. if anybody out there sure. is, that new series, the Mandalorian that that they're putting out is. Really, really good. I'll just um, uh, they just dropped episode three last night, and it's only six ninety five a month for the Disney Plus. If 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 you're a Star Wars guy, I I recommend checking out the Mandalorian. It looks really good so far. <laughs> just saying. Interesting. Okay. All right. Well, we are on 
the Hockey Podcast Network, and you can go to thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. They have uh, podcasts from every team in the National Hockey League, and we are the official Vegas Golden Knights podcast of that network. Um, you can find Chris on Twitter at VNLing or I on Isles FS for his Islanders content. He's putting out a few more articles now that uh, – Getting a little bit of of time management in between his his busy schedule at work now and doing his hockey related stuff, so he's dropping new articles pretty frequently now. So go go to Islanders and check out his Islanders content; it's always good stuff. Um, follow us on Twitter at Vegas Hockey Pod, and if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and leave us a review. We always appreciate that. Um, looking forward to the midweek show and the Thanksgiving break. So when we hit the Thanksgiving break, as Dan said, teams that are in a playoff position are in the playoffs 78 to 80% of the time over the last 20 years. I think that was the big stat in 2017 when Vegas was uh, in a playoff position and, and that was being thrown around. So it's an important couple of weeks for some teams on the bubble, like the Vegas Golden Knights. And we're going to find out a lot about them in the next week or two, as they go through the kind of a rough time in their schedule. Uh, I think they're out of the slump. I think they're playing good hockey, and I think they're going to, from this point on, um, continue to grow into the Vegas Golden Knights team that we've expected to see when the season started. But for that, for this week, that's going to do it for Chris on Mark, and we're gone.